Our scripture today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 1 through 5. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Listen, so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as I mentioned, I was on vacation, and in the home that we were staying, we had seven children ages four and below. It was chaotic, but that's nothing that the new Disney film Moana can't take care of. So we had Moana on the screen a bunch, and all the kids were in the living room. I was in the middle of the kitchen trying to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I looked over at my sweet little Ruby, who's usually just got this gentle disposition about her. And she's sitting there like this. I say, Roo Roo Magoo, what's wrong with you? And she goes, mm. oh my. So I said, Ruby, are you upset? Stop talking to me. I wondered if one of her cousins or her sister stole a toy or if somebody wasn't allowing her to hear Moana sing or what else could be bothering her. And so I making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And finally, I said once more, Ruby, can you tell me what the matter is? And she says, I'm hungry. I said, well, baby girl, why didn't you just come and tell me I'm making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? You want one? A famage for me? Absolutely. But that little story kind of illustrates a truth of humanity, a spiritual truth, really. That we're all in desire of things, and what's more, we all have need of things. And all the while we pout or maybe look to some other direction to attain what it is we need and want, all the while God is there waiting for us just to ask. We see that truth revealed, that great spiritual universal truth revealed here in Isaiah's prophecy and the first point that he makes is about God. The first spiritual truth is about God. He says, if you have a lack in your life, God can provide what you need. Look at verse 1 of our text. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Who amongst us? doesn't understand that. We have all been thirsty. We have all been needy. And there have been times when in those moments we have actually didn't have the resources to take care of ourselves. In high school, the great currency in the cafeteria was quarters. You see, when you would go to the cafeteria in my high school, you probably had just enough money to get one of the ARA lunches, which consisted of whatever was on the menu of the day. And the beverage that came with it was white milk or water but everybody wanted a pop 
In the Midwest, that's what we call Coca-Cola or any other fizzy drink. We call it pop or soda or something. And the pop machines were in excess. They weren't things that came with your meal. They were out in the hallway, and people were always trying to go and get themselves a Coke or a Mountain Dew or whatever. I never had enough money. Mom and Dad never gave me enough money. It seemed like all I ever had in my pocket was a couple dimes jingling around, and I always wanted a pop. I didn't want milk. Are you kidding me? I was thirsty. I was thirsty for something I wanted. So I used to go around asking for spare dimes from people. And one time I was walking around the cafeteria just absolutely bent on getting a Coke. And I'm asking this table and that, can I, anybody have any extra dimes or a nickel? I'll take a nickel. I'll take a nickel. And I finally go to one table full of the football players and they said, Long Bonds, you're broke. Why are you always asking for money? We all know what it means to want something and to not have the resources to get it. But this passage isn't about pop or something that we don't really need. This is about what we need in our deepest being. What is it, the heart of humanity? What do you need? God says, come to me if you lack, and I will provide it for you, and I will gift it to you. What's more? is we find out that the gifts of God are non-transactional. He's no utilitarian God. It's not about getting something in return for himself. It's absolutely fortuitous and gratuitous when God gifts us what we need. I remember I had a friend who called me up on the phone and said to me, we need to talk. Okay, don't ever tell me that. I don't like that. That makes me anxious. I go to the worst places. What did I do wrong? What's wrong with them? I get worried. He said he wanted to come by because we needed to talk. And I sit there and I told Colleen all about my anxieties, about my friend coming over. What does he want? What did I do? She said, honey, assume the best. You know probably he just wants to hang out and talk with you. Well, he comes in the door of my house. And then he does the next party foul in the Jared Longbond's rule book. He chit-chats. He came to talk to me, but now he's chit-chatting. I want to know what the big deal is, and he's chit-chatting. So I tried to exchange pleasantries, all the while wondering, what on earth does he want to talk to me about? What could be so terrible? And then he says, I was in the store the other day, and I saw this book, and I wanted to give it to you. He opened his bag, and he gave me this book. It wasn't so bad after all. And I said, for me, why? He goes, because I saw it, and it made, me, it made me think of you. I said, well, I, how much do I owe you? So it's, you don't owe me anything. I said, it's not my birthday. He says, I know. I just wanted to give you something. I said, but I, I feel bad. I don't have anything to give you. He says, do you know what a gift is? <laughs> Apparently, I have a hard time with it. And I think, if we're honest, most of us do too. We have a difficult time believing that someone just would give something without anything being asked in return. And here's God, the great father of us all, saying, if you lack, come to me. I want to give good gifts to you. The prophecy moves on to reveal next some spiritual truth about humanity. That is that we all lack, and when we do, God is standing there asking, why don't you just ask me for help? Look at verses 2 through 3. Isaiah pens the heart of God by saying, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, 
and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear to me and come to me. Listen so that you may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant like I did with David, he says later. The problem is not only that we tend not to ask God for help. It's that we tend to look for help in all the wrong places. We tend to look to fill that God-shaped vacuum, as Augustine calls it, that only God can fill. We tend to look to fill that vacuum in our hearts in all the wrong and bankrupt and foolhardy places. We don't put our trust in the only benevolent giver, the Creator God. There, He has much which satisfies. Where we look, we don't find any true satiation at all. I made a bad life decision a couple weeks ago. I was really exhausted, and I thought I was going to sleep. And as I was laying down, have you ever had this experience? As your body is kind of etching nearer to that line of a, of a sleepness where you're going to cross over into it, something happens in your brain, and you can't quite go any further. You can't let yourself go, and you just toss and turn and toss and turn and toss and turn. So I'm the only one who's ever struggled with insomnia, huh? I believe that none. And the thing is, I, I know all the things I should do and I can't sleep. I, I know that I should only allow myself 20 minutes in the bed and then get up because I need to train my body that that's sleep time and sleep space. I know that I shouldn't look at screens. I should read a book or clean up, do something quiet around the house. No, what I do is I toss and turn and then I get up and decide I'm going to go watch television. So I found myself downstairs at about 11.30, 11.45, and I decided to watch this TV show, and there's this character on the show that, who was uh, hanging out with some vegetarians for a long time, and he called his friend and snuck away from the group and ate a big old juicy double cheeseburger. In that moment, my stomach growled. I was hungry, and I thought a cheeseburger sounds real fine right now. I thought about it. I said, you know, it's probably not a good idea to eat a cheeseburger this late at night. It's probably not a good idea to go to a fast food restaurant at all because the only thing open is McDonald's. But I want a cheeseburger. I'm so hungry. So I crept upstairs and I rolled my car down the back driveway without turning on my headlights so as to not wake up my spouse and my children. And I went to those golden arches. Shame. Just shaming myself along the way in the drive-thru, knew I was about to cause myself some abuse. I ordered, it took 30 minutes to get a Big Mac meal, and I went home and I sat down on the floor with my little pile of sin, <laughs> turned the television on, and I laid into that Big Mac like you wouldn't believe. Two bites in, I knew it was gonna be bad for me. I couldn't sleep, indigestion crept up on me. I didn't feel good. Thing is, is we're all hungry. We're all hungry and we often reach for the wrong things. God is the one in all of our lives saying, I know you have needs, I'm here, why aren't you asking me? Incline your ear to me, hear me, says God, to all God's people, and I will give you what you need. I will make you live and more, I will make you flourish. 
This leads us into another spiritual truth about for those who reach out to God, what happens to them. You see, God will make something of you for other people. Verses 4 through 5 make it plain. Take a look. Speaking about King David here, he says, See, I made him a witness to the peoples. See, you shall call nations that do not know you, that do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. It's interesting. I had a friend who used to always say, you're not just saved for yourselves. You are also saved for others. Part of what it means to be blessed by God is that you are in turn blessed to bless others. That's a biblical theme from page one to the last page of Revelation. See, those who call out to God, who listen to him, who speak to him when they have needs, God does something with them. He makes them into something. Do you know what? God makes you into witnesses, storytellers of grace, messengers of God's goodness. The promise is that the nations who do not know God in the time of David will see David, one who has yearned for God, who has reached out for God, and they will see in David a life-giving person, a person with such fertility of faith and life and goodness abounding from him that they can't help but go near. They will rush to him because there will be life. That is the promise for God's people as well. When you reach out to God, you will be blessed but not simply for yourself. You will be blessed to be a blessing. There is a viral video going around the internet right now of Jim Carrey. Maybe you've seen it. Jim Carrey is a famous actor and comedian, especially famous in the 90s and the early 2000s. He's fallen on some hard times. He has mental health issues like every one of us does. He has addiction issues like most of us do. Struggles, but these ones were out of control for him. I don't know his connection to this priest, but there's a priest that he was standing with in the midst of a people who were clearly on the path to reconciliation in their lives, and the microphone is handed to him, and with the most sincerity that I've seen from him ever, tears in his eyes, he looks to this crowd in the room and says, God is here right now, and he says, there's hope, and I have come to believe through my struggle, I've been blessed. Because, and he says this, and I quote, salvation comes through pain. Salvation comes through suffering. Right there, he preached the gospel to people, still blown away by this moment, realizing that even in his toil, he reached out to God and was blessed, and he was able in that moment to bless others. And now that the viral, the video has gone viral, I tell you today, it is still blessing other people. This is what happens when we reach out to God. God touches you, and you in turn begin to touch others. Friends, the truth is that God is the only one, the only one who's self-sufficient, full, and lacking in nothing. We, every single one of us, are contingent beings. Put another way, we're all very needy. There's a lack in our lives, and God's invitation throughout all of Scripture, and here specifically in Isaiah's prophecy, is that God will meet us where we are, that God will meet us in our deepest need and supply to us our deepest need. God will make you full, but only if you come to Him. 
only if you come to Him. Now, how do we apply this today? I have a suggestion for us. I think that 99% of this room should start taking a little thing that we call digital Sabbaths. I don't know if you read The Atlantic, but there's a new article that's come out in it. And it's showing scientific data and proof that screen time actually decreases our mental health. We actually don't enjoy life much anymore when we're always following the stories of other people, always yearning to be somewhere else, or always editing the image that we want of ourselves out into the world. Quite basically, screens actually remove us from being where we are. What's the problem with that? Well, it means that you actually can't see God because you're distracted. As I was walking the beach this past week, I saw a young girl just like this on the beach. And the oceans are making beautiful sounds and the wind's there and the sun's in the sky and birds are flying over. And then I watched her just do this and then she tripped over a lawn chair, fell right on her face. (laughs) I laughed at her privately and then I asked for forgiveness from God. (laughs) I'm kidding, I didn't laugh at her. But that's how we are spiritually. We've got our heads in our devices, and we've got our heads in our own dramas, and we've got our heads in weird things that don't matter so much so that we, we don't even know that we have some needs, and we don't hear God saying, I'm here to help you with the real hole in your heart. So let me tell you another story. I was sitting with Julie Dorney, who's a psychiatrist, a member of our church, and we were having a meeting about something unrelated, and I told her, that ever since I moved down to the senior minister's office, I've had chest, chest fluttering, just fluttering in my chest. She says, what do you do? I said, well, the only way I can make the fluttering stop is, is I have to like swing a kettlebell, go on a run, do something cardiovascular. And she says, cardio's good, do that, but not in those moments. You need to learn to calm in those moments. See, she suggested that I get this little app on my phone called Headspace and start doing meditation. So I did. I sat there in my office in a corner for about 10 minutes most mornings, but then I was doing it very, very well. So I sat there for 10 minutes. The first week, breathing, being aware of my breath, being in a chair, being present, quiet. My nose was not in a book. My eyes were not glued to a screen. I wasn't actively stressing over this possible problem or that one. I wasn't hypothetically creating problems to solve. I wasn't arguing. I wasn't scheming, planning. I was just breathing and being present to my own body. And then I had an epiphany. As I slowed down enough, I learned about myself. Almost a year being an interim senior minister, a search committee looking for a senior minister, becoming senior minister, moving homes, closing a childcare facility with our church, All of it's been a lot harder on me than I realized. And I wasn't handling any of it well. So I was shoving it all down. (laughs) If I didn't slow down, I wouldn't have known my need. But because I did, I was able to then turn to God and come to Him instead of to another terrible, broken source to try to fill the hole and the hurt inside of me. God is there. God is not silent, friends. I challenge you this week to go forth and quiet yourselves enough to find out what you really need. 
God is there. He will meet you in your need. You just have to come to God. God bless you.